0: WBCA Radio is proud to present City Talk, where fascinating conversation is alive and well, with your host, Boston radio veteran Ken Meyer.
1: up again Lucy kisses like no one can she's my missus and I'm her man and life is heaven you see Cause I love Lucy yes I love Lucy and Lucy loves me
0: hello again everybody welcome to another edition of City Talk and unless you've been under a rock for the last several years I'm sure you recognize the beginning of this interview with the recording of Desi Arnaz singing the I Love Lucy theme song. And our guest is a gentleman that has written a book about everything you want to know about Lucille Ball and the I Love Lucy show. And here's Lucy and everything. Jeffrey Mark, welcome to City Talk. Well, I love to talk and I love cities. So here I am. (laughs) All right. I'm going to mention a date. October 15th, 1951.
1: The premiere, the first episode of I Love Lucy airs at 9
0: p.m. Eastern on CBS. And the nice thing about it was by the time that it aired, all the stuff, because of radio, was in place to make it a successful program.
1: I think what you're saying is that by 1951, Uh, And lots of people don't know this, that Lucille Ball had done three seasons of a very successful radio sitcom called My Favorite Husband. It is where she found her producer, Jess Oppenheimer. It is where she found her major writers, uh, Bob Carroll Jr. and Madeline Pugh, Martin Davis. And a lot of I Love Lucy was based on My Favorite Husband. So they already had a platform underneath them to help them get ready.
0: But it was a tough sell to get CBS television to do this. Yes. Well, it was CBS's
1: idea, actually. CBS started around 1949 seeing with their magic CBSI <laughs> that that television could be something more than just a fad, more than just something rich folks could enjoy and show off to their friends. To that end, they were bringing Jack Benny and Burns and Allen to television. They'd already brought Ed Sullivan from his radio show to television. And they wanted to bring my favorite husband to television because it was very successful for them. And Lucille Ball said, well, no, because I I don't know if our friends who are listening really understand this because it's so long ago. But a lot of people who worked in radio called it stealing money. You went in as an actor, or a performer, or a singer. You read the script, you rehearsed it once or twice, and then in front of an audience, you read the script. You didn't have to wear costumes, you didn't have to learn where to stand, you didn't have to hit a mark, and you didn't have to memorize anything. And for that, people were making huge amounts of money every week. Well, take that to television. Now you've got a Wear costumes and have costume fittings and wear makeup and learn where you're walking to memorize the entire script. And they weren't paying nearly as much for television as radio. Lucille Ball in 1950, when this was getting started, was a movie star. So she was making huge amounts of money for films and radio. But she wanted to work with her husband. And that's where CBS balked. She said, All right, I'll take a pay cut and do this. But I don't want Richard Denning, who was her husband on radio. I want Desi Arnaz to play my husband. And CBS said, absolutely not. (laughs) They said, we cannot have a mixed marriage on television. No one will believe that girl next door, phony redhead, blue-eyed Lucille Ball is married to someone who isn't white. And Lucille Ball said, I am married to someone who isn't white. I've been married to him for 11 years. This is ridiculous.
0: And they eventually came up with the show. Um, and talk about the people that were the next door neighbors. Uh, mm-hmm. Bill Frawley and Vivian Vance. Well,
1: it's a process, you know. Nothing happens immediately and overnight. They did a pilot a pilot is a program to show what the show will look like. There was no Fred and Ethel in the pilot. It was Lucy and Ricky and Jerry, the agent. Those are the only recurring characters that were going to be in the pilot. CBS relented because Miss Ball and Mr. Arnez did a very short but successful uh, vaudeville tour doing a show in between the showings of feature films in big movie houses in big cities The audiences loved them as a couple. So CBS said, well, all right, I guess this does work. They did the pilot and the show sold almost immediately to, you should excuse the expression, Philip Morris cigarettes. So Philip Morris bought Monday nights at nine o'clock to put on this show they were sponsoring. I love Lucy. Well, they knew they wanted an older couple because that's what they had in my favorite husband a younger couple getting egged on by an older couple to help make drama and situations and conflict. But they didn't know who to cast. Uh, They were getting very close to reading the first script and they didn't have people. They saw a lot of older character actors to play Fred Mertz, but they didn't consider Bill Frawley, William Frawley, because the man unfortunately had the disease of alcoholism. And they didn't want that kind of drama on their set. So Bill Frawley called Desi and said, let's have lunch. I want to talk to you. And they went to a place called Nicodell's on Hollywood, in Hollywood. And Bill said, I hear you're reading all these guys. What are these guys got that I haven't got? And Desi said, it's not what they got that you don't got. It's what you do that they don't do, which was <laughs> his drinking. So Bill Frawley, who was perfect, he was Fred Mertz in real life. uh, They made a deal. The first time Bill Frawley would not show up or show up drunk, they'd write him out of the script. The second time Bill Frawley did that, he'd be fired and blackballed. And Bill Frawley agreed to that. His side of the bargain was that he get paid whatever Vivian Vance got paid, although there was no Vivian Vance yet, whoever played Ethel. And that if the New York Yankees baseball team was in the World Series, Desi had to fly him first class wherever it was, put him up first class and buy him tickets. And Bill Frawley never showed up drunk and the Yankees were in the World Series every year I love Lucy was on. So it it was a good deal. And of course, all of this, because I can't leave his name out, All of this had to be approved by Jess Oppenheimer, who was in fact the producer of the show. So they had Bill Frawley in place. They still had no Ethel Mertz. They considered a girl Lucille Ball had come West with from New York when they became Goldwyn girls, a very pretty blonde named Barbara Pepper. But Barbara had gotten dowdy through the years, had put on weight. She wasn't the great beauty she was in 1932. But she also drank, and Lucille didn't want the drink. Not two of them drinking? Oh, no, 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 no. They considered her friend Mary Wicks. Mary turned them down. She said, Lucille, I know how you are when you're working, and I'd rather stay your friend. Meaning that Miss Ball was a taskmaster, and it was all work and no play. Let's get this done. Mary didn't like to work quite that strictly. So she turned them down. Mark Daniels was the director for the first season of Isle of Lucy. Now, he knew an actress he'd known from the East Coast, from Broadway. Vivian Vance had been Ethel Merman's understudy in two Cole Porter musicals. She'd starred in a third Cole Porter musical and made a big hit on Broadway with the voice of the turtle. Unfortunately, Vivian had a nervous breakdown and was just getting back on her feet and was doing the voice of the turtle in La Jolla, California, outside of San Diego. And Desi and Jess and Mark went and saw her and Desi hired her on the spot. So that's how Vivian Vance and William Frawley became Fred
0: and Ethel. All right. We should also mention, by the way, that one of the things that paid off later on was in My Favorite Husband, they hired a guy named Gail Gordon who eventually eventually worked with Lucy uh, in later episodes.
1: Yeah. Forever after that, <laughs> the older couple of my favorite husband. And those of you who are uh, classic TV fans will recognize these names. Gail Gordon played the older man and B. better who played Blanche Morton, Gracie's best friend on the Burns and Allen show who was the voice of Betty Rubble on the Flintstones, who played Cousin Pearl on the Beverly Hillbillies, and was the beloved Kate Bradley on Petticoat Junction. She was the older woman. Problem was, Gail was making a small fortune on radio. He was on three or four shows a week, getting thousands for each show. I Love Lucy had a budget of $250 a week in the beginning for Fred Mertz. He said, no, why in the world would I give up thousands for hundreds? B would have done it. B adored Lucy. But B was already doing the live, not live on film, live Burns and Allen show every other week. And she couldn't be there. I mean, she could have been on the show every other week, but they wanted Ethel Mertz every single week. So uh, Gail did appear on an episode of, I love fact, two episodes of, I love Lucy. He did appear on one episode of the Lucy L. ball, Desi Arnaz show. And then later in her career, he came to the Lucy show and here's Lucy and life with Lucy and uh, Lucy L. ball, just adored working with
0: him. All right. You mentioned Jack Benny a few minutes ago. They, uh, they used Jack Benny in the days of my favorite husband, not as a guest, but to help Lucy experience timing in front of a live audience Lucille Ball didn't know it
1: yet but she was best in front of a live audience people say that Lucille Ball had a grade B movie career it isn't true by 1939 the film Lucille ball in she was a star now were every did every single film she make be wonderful no no But she made many wonderful films. In fact, she made over 70 films before I Love Lucy. She was a big star. All of it done without an audience, one camera, like a movie, a shot. She did do two stage shows. She toured with two stage shows, one in 1939 and one in 1949, I believe. And loved it and loved having the audience right there but when they wanted miss ball to star in my favorite husband what she did was she went to tapings of the jack benny show or not tapings airings and watched how jack did it and saw that although he read from a script he played to the audience he didn't pretend like they weren't there he included them in on his fun and that kind of knowing it's almost like surfing. When you're being funny and you're riding the wave of a laugh, you have to know, well, if you, if you talk at the height of the laugh, you're killing the laugh. And the audience resents you for that. If you start talking when the whole laugh is over, that's OK if it's a new thought. But if it's a follow up joke, you've lost the timing. So there's just this, this timing thing you have to learn. Anybody who works in front of a live audience, and everybody has their own timing. Miss Ball had to find hers. She began
0: to find hers by watching Jack Benny, but, but she made it all her own. All right. Let's talk about some episodes from the I Love Lucy show.
1: I thought you'd never ask.
0: <laughs> if I say to you, uh, we're having a baby, my baby and me. Tell me about that. It's a funny thing. Because Desi
1: Jr. thought that Desi Sr. had written that song for him. That song actually comes from an Eddie Cantor movie. And Eddie Cantor sings it in the film. Um, Miss Ball had been pregnant the whole time they put I Love Lucy together. She had Lucy Arnaz July 17th of 51. And they began rehearsing the first show at the beginning of September. Right around, in fact, right around... When they were filming Vitamita Benjamin, Miss Ball finds out she's pregnant again. And she and Desi go into a panic. Oh gosh, what are we going to do for our second season? Because it was a huge hit show. It was a hit practically the first episode on. And Jess Oppenheimer said, we're not gonna panic. We're gonna write the pregnancy into the show. And it'll give us all sorts of storylines to use. We'll make Lucy Ricardo pregnant. Which is why Desi sang, We're Having a Baby, My Baby, and Me.
0: Yeah, he sang it at his nightclub. Yes. And um, that was when he found out that he was going to be a father because he didn't know it.
1: Well, Ricky didn't know it. Of course, Desi knew it. But what happened was at the filming. So in the storyline of that, Episode Lucy Ricardo finds out she is with a child. They could not use the word pregnant because that infers sex, and you couldn't infer sex in 1952 on television. In fact, Lucy and Ricky slept in a giant California bed, two, two single beds pushed together into one giant bed until the pregnancy episode and that from that point forward by boom, the two beds were pulled apart. Heaven for fend. Someone should figure out how she got pregnant. That's, that's, that's dirty. Ooh. Um, <laughs> that's, that's how different things were back then. Um, So the script was written that, that Lucy tries to tell Ricky she's pregnant but she just can't find the right time and the right way. So she decides she's going to the club and tell him there. Well, the script called for Desi to sing "Rockabye bye baby. He's handed a note. Ricky Ricardo was handed a note. Hey, we're expecting, I haven't told my husband, your song will be the way I tell him. And he walks through the audience thinking anybody there could be the parents, not thinking it was himself. And he, smiles at his wife oh you're here and she nods yes at which point desi is supposed to like realize it's him jump in the air yahoo yay well when they actually filmed the episode that's not what happened in a real moment desi who very much wanted children and was so thrilled she was pregnant got choked up and instead of going yippy, he, st- he, he cried and, and sort of knelt down next to her and did what a real man might do, not a scripted man, but like what a real man who loves his wife and finds out he's going to be a father. He remembered how, how he felt when Lucy was born, his daughter. So it all, all those emotions came to the forefront. And they did their little scene. And then then he kind of like stopped, like, okay, I've screwed up the scene. He didn't say it. But you could see him looking out into the audience and towards the uh, booth where everybody who works on the show is. And you can hear Bill Asher screaming, do the baby song, do the baby song. And they, they just continued going through it. Well, they knew they screwed up. And they went back and refilmed the episode the way it was written but in looking at the editing what desi had done was so real and so heartwarming they kept the screw up because
0: that was the better version didn't didn't alfred lyons the head of philip morris enter into this alfred lyons what he did
1: was they gave Desi a lot of uh, hard times, grief, grief, mostly because he was Latino, Cuban. Therefore, oh, what the, who the hell does he think he is? And uh, he's just a Latino. He's just a, a bongo player. They call him. A, they couldn't even say conga drum. They called him a bongo player. He didn't play the <laughs> bongos. He played a conga drum. That he had to be stupid. That he had to be less than. Desi was a genius. Desi was brilliant, a brilliant businessman. And they gave him lots of pushback. And um, we I, I don't think we're allowed to use four-letter words on the air here.
0: <laughs> no, we're not. I know but what Mr., you're talking but, but, about. But Mr.
1: Lyons sent them all a telegram, do not blank with the Cuban, <laughs> meaning leave him alone.
0: Yep exactly all right let's jump ahead to january 19th 1953
1: why that's the day my friend desi arnaz jr was born it's also (laughs) the day little ricky was born lucille ball had needed a cesarean section to deliver lucy arnaz people don't realize that miss ball was already not quite 40 She was a few weeks, a couple of weeks away from being 40 when Lucy Arnaz was born. She was now over 40 when, when, when Desi, little Ricky are born. So they knew in those days, if you had a cesarean once, you had to have a cesarean for every child afterwards. It's it's different today, but medicine was different back then. So they knew that Lucille Ball had to have a cesarean section. They go in and snip, 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 and pull the baby out. Well. Since you know it's gonna happen in advance, they don't wait for you to go into labor, they, they schedule it. Well, if we're scheduling it, what the heck? They scheduled it for the same day as Little Ricky would be born on television. They figured there might be some cute publicity from that. Cute publicity. They had no idea. You talk about something going viral today. It was the biggest news in the world. It was bigger. President Eisenhower was about to be inaugurated. And Ike got thrown off of the newspaper front pages with little Ricky being born the same day as as Desi Jr. It was everywhere all over the world. It It was an international event. In fact, TV guide called Desi Jr. their $50 million baby because that's how much money could be had for Philip Morris, for CBS, for the Arnezes, because of the great publicity. So it was a huge, 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 nothing like that had ever happened before. Um, The whole country was sort of godparents to little Ricky. And uh, I don't know that really, uh, once or twice since then, where a singular event on a television show Rhoda's wedding from Mary Tyler Moore or who shot J.R. on uh, Dallas. Very few, uh, a couple of last shows of certain episodes. But this was the first. It, it just everything that they did with I Love Lucy, they broke new ground. And this propelled the show and the Arnezes That after January 19th, 1953, Lucille Ball was the biggest star in
0: the world. All right. Now, they started running out of ideas. So they decided to have the Ricardos and the Mertzes go on the road from their imaginary or their apartment, supposedly in New York, to take a trip out to California. And they had various episodes with various guest stars. And one of the famous ones is one with Bill Holden. Yes, (laughs) Yes.
1: <laughs> Ken, <laughs> Ken you're a na- of- you are a naughty, naughty boy, if you're going where I think you are. But continue, sir.
0: Well, I mean, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a, uh, a bit about, uh, well, I don't know exactly how to put it. Lucy and, and a cup of coffee and um, uh, uh, her, her putty nose Yes, get, getting on fire. Okay, that story I can tell on the air. Um,
1: you were kind of half right. It wasn't that they were running out of ideas. It's it's just that they felt boxed in. Because of money, because of budgets, so much of I Love Lucy happened either in the Ricardo's apartment or the merchants apartment. And they got boxed in by that. Also, because of the great popularity of the show, everybody in Hollywood wanted to be on it but the format did not really allow for guest stars. There was no place, what, we're gonna have a different guest star just knock on their door every week, which is kind of what happened with the Lucy show and here's Lucy. But at yep. this point, they, they, they thought that's just, it's too much of a stretch. So how do we get them out of that apartment and how do we bring in guest stars? Well, Jess Oppenheimer came up with the idea. And also, you know, Ricky's been playing my Tropic Panic Club now for two and a half years. Uh, It's time he got a raise. It's time he moved forward in his career. So they decided to make him a movie star, give them a reason to be in Hollywood, and give them a reason for the Lucy Ricardo character to interact with various and sundry celebrities, all of whom happily wanted to be on the show. Bill Holden had done a movie with Lucille Ball previous to this called Miss Grant Takes Richmond. Very, very funny screwball comedy. Uh, one of the films she did close to the Lucy Ricardo character. Uh, a lot of people have said through the years that they didn't know what to do with Lucille Ball in movies. They never let her be funny. Yeah, they did. She was wonderfully funny in Miss Grant Takes Richmond. It was a good experience for them both. And they wanted, he was happy to be on I Love Lucy. Through the years, Miss Ball claimed that this was something that was done off the cuff what i'm about to tell you it was not it was in the script it was always there and what we're talking about is the final scene of the show because lucy ricardo has run into bill holden at the brown derby restaurant and now ricky's bringing him home to meet lucy as a gift to her she goes into ricky's makeup kit she ties up her hair in a kerchief she puts on phony glasses And puts a putty nose on to have him not remember who she is so she wouldn't get in trouble with Ricky. And he goes to light her cigarette, and the putty on her nose catches on fire. And then Lucy Ricardo dunks it in the cup of coffee sitting in front of her. The nose going on fire was in the script, the dunking in the coffee was in the script. And there were people from the fire department right there. Heaven for something went wrong to make sure that Lucille Ball did not get scarred from having her nose actually go on fire and hurt herself. It was brilliantly funny. It is one of two, three or four things that everybody remembers from that show vitamin of Benjamin, the grape stomping in Italy, the candy factory, and her nose going on fire, and maybe the eggs in Connecticut, where she crushes all those eggs in her blouse. Those are the episodes when I talk to people all over the world, they want to talk about is a a brilliantly funny episode with Bill Holden. And uh, I'm alluding to something that's a little naughty and I cannot tell it to you on the air. Uh, The new Lucy book will be out for Christmas. The story might be
0: in there. (laughs) I think one of the other episodes that people remember, or at least I remember is the one with Harpo Marx.
1: That was done at the same time, I mean, the same few weeks as the one with Bill Holden. Uh, Billy Marks, Harpo's son, is a dear friend of mine. He lives not too far from here, from where I'm living in, in Palm Springs. Uh, Billy was the one who uh, arranged that music for Harpo when he plays Take Me Out of the Ball Game. His son arranged that music for him. What they decided to do to make it easy on Harpo, they thought, was to take a bit from one of the Marx Brothers movies where Harpo did a mirror image bit with Groucho. And this time, Lucy Ricardo would be mirroring Harpo in their little kitchenette in their Hollywood hotel suite. Problem was that in the original, Harpo didn't have to remember anything. Harpo just had to follow what Groucho was doing. In this one, for Lucille Ball to be able to mirror Harpo, he had to do the same things over and over and over again. Well, he was an older man. He'd already had a couple of heart attacks. He couldn't remember what he did. He just humanized. So that whole bit of them, that mirror bit, is a genius of editing. And Dan Kahn, who was the editor, deserves tremendous applause. It looks seamless. You can't begin to know. So they had a start and stop and start and stop and start and stop. Uh, but it didn't happen often on I Love Lucy. They played through like it was a live stage show. Whatever happened, that's what you got. In this case, they edited. And then on top of that, uh, my friend Doris Singleton, who played Carolyn Appleby, is also in the episode. And she comes in at the end. And Harpo is supposed to pick her up like over his shoulder kind of. But he drops his hat. He could have just kicked it out of the way, but being the pro Harper was he bent down with Doris on his shoulder to pick up the hat, walked off and had a heart attack. And he didn't die, but um, at the party afterwards, <laughs> he was not a very happy
0: camper. We, we didn't touch on this earlier and I don't usually do things out of sequence, but, in nineteen fifty-one, when they started doing this show, they did it in front of a live audience, which I don't think had been done too much before. And they had a lot of problems trying to do it with three cameras in the beginning. Well, they had they had for television previous to this
1: recorded some game shows in theaters with an audience with three. Movie cameras like a Groucho show, you bet your life, right? Was done in front of a live audience with judicial, judicial editing (laughs) because he'd go on for like over an hour and they had to to cut that down to 25 minutes. Uh, But they'd never done a scripted comedy show like that before on film in a studio. So Groucho's show, and the other game shows that were done, like Truth or Consequences early on, were done in theaters. They took actual, like, Broadway-style theaters, vaudeville theaters, retrofitted them for television, and that's how a thing was recorded. When the uh, Philip Morris Company bought the time, they assumed the Arnezes were coming east and were doing this show live from New York. That's how everything was done back then. If your show was done live in California, what happened is it was seen live on the West Coast, maybe in mountain time, and then they took an inferior filming. It's called a kinescope. A special monitor was set up, synced with a film, so you didn't get blurry lines in it. And that film was then flown to the East Coast, and your show was shown not live a week later, two weeks later. But the kinescopes didn't have very good quality visually or audio. And television didn't have very good quality anyway to begin with. So if you're taking something that's low quality, audio and video, and then diminishing it even further, Philip Morris said there are more cigarette smokers east of the Mississippi than west of the Mississippi. We want the best possible quality. And Desi said, well, what if we film the show? And they said, Lucy O'Ball is dead without an audience. We saw my favorite husband. We saw how wonderful she was. We need Lucy Ricardo in front of an audience. And Desi said, well, what if we film it in front of a live audience? And they said, if you can do that, we'll approve that. Well, uh, Desi had the idea. And then it took about 100 gifted, talented people. To make that happen. And they had to make that happen very quickly. But that's what happened.
0: It was and they found
1: it was the first show to be done in a movie studio
0: with a live audience. That was groundbreaking. And they found Carl Freund. Uh Carl Freund
1: was a genius cinematographer, Oscar winner. It wasn't so much that they found him. He was already looming over the entire business with his genius. But they contacted him. Okay, you're the best at this. How do we do this? Thinking that he would uh, perhaps give them some advice. And he said, you can't. And uh, Desi and Jess Oppenheimer both claimed they said this. So I wasn't there. I'll give them both credit. They said, well, if you aren't capable enough to figure this out, we'll go to some. He said, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> like, like, don't think I can't do this. And, and Carl Freund figured out how to light the set and how to capture it on film so that no matter what angle you looked at or where they stood on the set, they were evenly lit and Lucille Ball looked amazingly young and beautiful. And he, and he worked for what's called union scale. It's the lowest price the union demands you give somebody. It's like paying somebody minimum wage who was a neurosurgeon.
0: Okay. Um, the show ended in what? Early 1957. And, and Desi got a show and decided to do some hour long Lucy episodes. Why did the half-hour show end and tell us about some of those hour-long episodes? Sure. The show ended
1: uh in the late spring of 1957. 6 seasons. It was tremendously hard hard work. First season they had Monday through Friday. They got a script Monday morning at 10, Friday evening at 7 there you were so vitamin and Benjamin whatever they were doing whatever they had (laughs) to create lucille ball and the cast had monday through friday after the first season it was only monday through thursday it's like grape stomping monday through thursday (laughs) that's all you have before you're in front of the audience actually performing it lucille ball was 40 when they started well now she's 46 she's older She has two children at home to take care of. Desi is older. Vivian is older. Bill Frawley is now in his 70s. Um, What do you do? Well, they decided it would be better off to not do this show every week. It would be better off to let Desi run Desilu Studios because he now had a business to run, apart and aside from being Ricky Ricardo. Lucille wanted to spend more time with her children and be a mom. So they decided, well, what if we originally what they were going to do was they wanted to do like eight or 10 hour long versions of the show in color. CBS wouldn't do it in color. They, they were so angry at NBC for their full color network that CBS didn't allow color programming until 1965. So that went out the window also doing 8 or 10 episodes the first year. Believe it or not, the number one show in the country. But Desi's budget was so expensive for each hour-long show that only the Ford Motor Company would do it, and they would only do five. So the 1957 and 58 season, there were five hour-long Ford, your Ford dealers across America, (laughs) present the new Lucille Ball Desi Arnaz show. And it's more episodes of them in Connecticut interacting with uh, big celebrities. After that first five, Desi was indeed given his own television series. Desi Arnaz was a host of the new Westinghouse Desilu Playhouse. In the late 50s, there was something on television that no longer exists. It's called an anthology show. They usually were hosted by someone who had been a big star in films who maybe wasn't such a big star anymore. And there would be a Western one week, there'd be a drama the next, there'd be a comedy one week, there'd be a musical show the next. And that's what Desi sold to Westinghouse, the people who used to make appliances. And uh, what they did was they re-ran those first five episodes and they did like five more. The next season they rerun those 10 and did three more. So there are 13 over three seasons, hour-long Lucia Ball, Desi Arnaz shows. Then uh, Miss Ball and Mr. Arnaz appeared as Lucy and Ricky on the Danny Thomas show. They appeared as Lucy and Ricky on a Milton Berle special. And they she appeared as Lucy Ricardo on the Ann Southern show. So that that's that's the canon for a Lucy Ricardo character,
0: I don't think people realized what a genius Desi was. Even with Lucy in later life, um, he just had a sense. And they did shows like December Bride, the Danny Thomas Show. Uh, later on, she was going to do, as I understand it, a, a the movie MAME. and he looked at the script and said. Don't do it. And she did it anyway. And I don't think it turned out too well.
1: I think you're mixing your metaphors here just a little bit. The script That's you're talking possible. about is Wildcat, the Broadway musical she did.
0: Oh, he, okay. I thought it was
1: th- mean. He thought the script was weak. And they brought in uh, Bob Carroll Jr. and Madeline Pugh Martin Davis to punch up the script. Well, what they did was they made Wildcat into almost like I Love Lucy. Uh, the show was a big hit. Unfortunately, Miss Ball got sick, very sick, with pneumonia twice when the show had to close. Uh, by the time MAME came along in 1974, uh, Desi Arnaz was pretty much retired from uh, running anything and uh, was writing his autobiography at that moment. But it, it's people don't realize this. I get asked this literally all over all over the world i get asked this all over the world why did the show end why wasn't the show as funny as i love lucy and and the truth of the matter is they did the ricardo's and the mertz's from 1951 to 1960 they did nine seasons of it well nine seasons is a lot of episodes when in those days, you did 39 episodes a year. Today, they did 20, 22 episodes a year. Sometimes they do 15 episodes a year. It's a lot of, it's 180 half hours, 13 hour long shows, plus the ancillary shows I talked to you about. They were running out of ideas. Lucy and Ricky were no longer a young couple. No matter how they sliced it, they were, they were middle-aged people. The, the, the best they could hope for was to pretend to only be about 40. Fred and Ethel, if you followed the timeline of the show, Ethel was well in her 50s. Fred was 70. They could do less. They had less energy. They were older. And unfortunately, there were things happening off camera that made working on the show difficult. There were difficulties in the Arnezes' marriage Vivian Vance was having a troubled marriage and about to go through a divorce. Vivian Vance and Bill Frawley did not get along. So that was not his happiest day to be on the show. Bill Frawley thought the show had, although they didn't use that term back then, jumped the shark. He felt the shows were no longer funny and didn't really relish being there, except he needed the paycheck. And as soon as he was released from having to be Fred Mertz, he went on My Three Sons so just things are just winding down you cannot play the same character forever sooner or later you either get too old or you lose the wonderful creative people around you or you run out of ideas and all of those things happened
0: to lucy ricardo and ricky ricardo but even on uh here's lucy and the lucy show she was still able to get guest stars i saw part of an episode with mike connors who played mannix whom i absolutely adored and uh, uh there was one with jack benny I oh understand. there were several with jack benny
1: mike connors was a friend of mine uh mike did it because you know desi lou produced mannix right and gary morton who was lucille ball's husband was the one who put um mike into the script he said you know who the right guy for this is lucy mike connors is the perfect guy so mike always thanked gary that he got the part because of him
0: i i loved
1: yeah it wasn't that she couldn't play a lucy character but jess oppenheimer was gone he'd quit the show in the fifth after the fifth season of i love lucy desi arnaz after the first Half a dozen episodes of Isla of the Lucy Show was gone. Her original directors, especially William Asher, who was the best sitcom director ever, was gone. Vivian Vance and Bill Frawley. Well, Bill Frawley was gone. Vivian agreed to do the Lucy Show for the first three seasons, and then she was gone. When you take away the people who had been so responsible for the show's success, even a genius talent like Lucille Ball, you can't do it all yourself. You have to have a team. And her team went away, replaced by other teams, but they weren't as good. The writing wasn't as strong, The direction wasn't as strong. And having lived through my 50s already, uh, goodness gracious, the physical activities the writers did come up with for Miss Ball, who was 51 when the Lucy show started. Can you imagine the physical shape she had to keep herself in to keep doing those things? I couldn't do it in my 50s, what she did. And do it in four days with that kind of concentrated work, 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 work rehearsal schedule. So the shows faltered, but the ratings didn't. The audiences had gotten so used to seeing Lucy on Monday nights. And as long as she was funny and the guest stars were good, the people tuned in. The ratings didn't start dropping until the early 70s. That's a long time to be right at the top of her game. Lucille Ball was in the top 10 of television, quite often number one, very often number two, from 1951 to about 1973. That's a long time to maintain that kind of ratings success. But how many things can that character do? And how many sort of rehashed movie stars can you bring on before the young people don't even recognize who the guest stars are anymore?
0: Now, after she did a, a, a movie or a, a made for TV movie, if my information is correct, called Stone Pillow. Yes. Where, uh, how was that? How would you characterize Lucy's performance?
1: She was wonderful It was uh, I think people were surprised. It had been so long since she had really played anything that wasn't close to the Lucy character a drama a real heavy duty. Lucy Ball had not done a heavy duty drama on television she did one. Uh, a circus show, the greatest show on earth, that Desi Lou produced. She did one episode that was a drama. The last drama movie she made was in the 40s. So it had been a very long time for her to do that kind of thing. Uh, Mame was not a drama, it was a musical comedy with some drama in it. This was heavy duty drama. Uh, there was not a funny line. There was not, this is about a bad lady living on the streets of New York City. And it was surprisingly enormously successful, really reinvigorated Miss Ball's career, reminded people, oh, she's still around. Oh, she's still this good. And the success of that led to her doing one last hurrah, Life with Lucy, which was unfortunate.
0: And Gail Gordon, again showed up to play in that program
1: yeah it was for years she told me i'm not going to do any more lucy characters i've done everything i can we can't go back and top ourselves we have done everything we can we would diminish the character but her husband gary morton wanted her to do this uh, he wanted to do it because it gave him a, a show to produce again, which was important to him to please her husband. Uh, she did this show. Uh, they brought back her original writers. What they came up with, for those of you who had never saw life with Lucy and please strap yourselves into your chairs. Cause you're going to fall down laughing. Cause this is so funny. Uh, she is once again a widow, and this time it's very, very recent. She is a recent widow. Her husband was in the hardware business, owned a hardware store in Pasadena with Gail Gordon as his partner, and her children have talked her into giving up her house and moving in with them to take care of the grandchildren while her son-in-law goes to law school and she's now partners with gail gordon they hate each other and he moves into the house to protect the grandchildren from her are you laughing yet america i don't think so (laughs) because there are so many funny hardware store stories and he was 80 years old at this time gail was funny there was not uh the problem was not gail the problem wasn't even lucille ball But Lucille Ball, through the years, people called her a clown. Yeah, if she had a script. It had to be on paper. You couldn't just say to Lucille Ball, hey, go out there and be funny for 30 minutes. She wasn't a stand-up comedian. She wasn't a comic. She was an actor. And an actor needs a script. And the scripts they got for Life with Lucy, the character background for Lucy, was so slight, uh, the ages of the children were inappropriate for her age. Why was he in law school? Lucy Lucy, Lucy, character is in her 70s now. Why would her son-in-law be in, in, in law school? Why would her grandchildren be so young? Why would they all live in this one house together that had to have five or six bedrooms, but downstairs is a living room and a kitchen? That's the whole house. Just none of it made sense. If they would have had better writing, if they would have given Lucille Ball other funny people to play with, if there had been an Anne Southern or an Annette Fabray or a Gale Storm or Mary Jane Croft or anyone, Mary Wicks, where they could have all played together, but they gave her nobody. And there she is all by herself with very light scripts. And she's not with her CBS anymore. And she gets canceled.
0: I've had the chance, having spent 20 years in the radio business, to, to interview various celebrities, either by phone or in person. For me, one of the big highlights of my life was sitting down for an hour with Raymond Burr. I will ah. always, I will always remember that for you. What for you has been the biggest moment that you'll look back on and treasure and just say, wow. Every time I, you think of that, like I do with Raymond Burr. Uh,
1: meaning an interview of someone I've talked to or an yep. event in my career.
0: Well, either one. Um,
1: certainly interviewing Lucille Ball is right up the top. Uh Helping Ella Fitzgerald at the end of her life, right near the top. Uh, Getting getting an Emmy, being nominated for a Grammy. Those are high points. But I guess there's there's two that, like, if you have to boil it down, I know we're getting short on time here. When I got to interview Miss Ball, I said to her, your friend Jack Benny, says the reason that people tune into sitcoms is because the main characters do some shtick that catches on. And there's usually several and they don't use them every week, but the audience tunes in to see which one are we going to get this week? And I said to her, you gave up the crying jag going, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And she gave up, she gave up using a noise. They called in the scripts, the spider. Ooh. yep i remember that too yep. and she looked at me for a second and she said young man that is the best question i have ever been asked about my comedy yay you know that's <laughs> yeah. like yay for me yep there's that and then very quickly and this is terribly personal my maternal grandmother adored kitty carlisle Kitty ah, Carlisle, who was on to tell the truth. Tell the truth. Yes, lots of other things. thought of her as being the grand dame of what an American woman should be like and wished she had been, and used Kitty Carlisle to teach me poise and good manners and how to act with celebrities. My own mother was like, "Mom, he's two and a half years old. What does he need with Kitty Carlisle? And they fought about it. And my grandmother said, you don't even know what's in your son. Someday he'll be in her living room telling them what you said and laughing about it. And about 42 years later, (laughs) I was in Kitty Carlisle's living room. Wow. I told her the story. And at her invitation, I didn't make this happen. I get a phone call. I'm in New York promoting my book on Ethel Merman. I'm in my hotel suite. Could you come by and bring that wonderful, marvelous book of yours? I, I I can't be sure, but I didn't just fly out the window and fly to her apartment on Fifth Avenue. But I did get there and I got to see her do a singing lesson. I told her the story. My grandmother had already passed away. Hart, Mrs. Hart was in her 90s. We both cried a little bit. But those like, like yeah, for my grandmother, I did this. Like, yeah, okay. My, my career has been
0: worthwhile. I, I know how you feel, because when I interviewed Burr, he told me if he ever wanted to know anything about his career, he was going to call me.
1: Yeah, I got that <laughs> same thing from Desi Arnaz Jr. He said, I don't have to have a memory anymore. All he was called Jeffrey Mark.
0: Well, listen, I, I want to thank you for taking time out to, to do an interview like this. I will pardon the expression. I love Lucy, too. Uh, and and your your marvelous recollections and recall and well researched have definitely been noticed and i and i enjoyed every bit of it and i thank you for doing it
1: it is my pleasure please have me back and to all of our all of our friends and fans out there as i always say god bless
0: and have a happy (laughs) and that'll do it for this edition of city talk thanks for listening to another great conversation with ken meyer and friends You can contact Ken by email. The address is kjmeyer7 at gmail.com. That's kjmeyer7 at gmail.com. Tune in next time for more conversation with Ken Meyer on City Talk.